I don't know how many times this year I have wanted to be like Connor, but it's more than a few. I usually struggle with the simplest of woodworking skills, measuring correctly, sharpening my tools, jointing a flat surface. More than a few times I've been speed walking across the shop, trying to limit the damage of my most recent calamity, and I walk by Connor's bench to see him calmly working on some intricate shape or fitting his parts together with microscopic precision. This is part of the reason I was so surprised when Connor insisted during his interview that he isn't always cool under pressure, that sometimes he too struggles to make a piece of wood look like what he wants it to look like. I was also struck by Connor's hesitancy to offer his opinions on what he thinks is art. I have one one-thousandth of his woodworking ability and experience, and yet my pompous ex-lawyer ass never hesitates to offer an opinion about anything to anybody. Maybe that's another difference between me and Connor. He doesn't always have the need to talk about what he thinks and feels. Sometimes he communicates it through his hands, through his craft, and through his art. That's a beautiful thing. The world needs more of that. Here's my interview with Connor Caldwell. All right, let's roll tape. Connor, buddy, how you doing? I'm doing well, Joel. Connor the Buddha. The Buddha, yeah, <laughs> as you say. I do say, how does that make you feel that I call you the Buddha? Um, it's it's kind of funny. I yeah? Know, I find it interesting. What do you find interesting about it? Um, I think that you perceive me as more calm than I perceive myself. <laughs> I do, I, you do come across as very calm and cool and collected. Yeah, I do get you, that, yeah. Do you not feel that way? Not all the time, I think. Like, even my friends and people outside of the program and, and at work and things, they think I'm, like, so calm. But uh, there's definitely some inner chaos yeah. <laughs> at, at points and a lot of misdirection and working things out. But I don't know, I guess I don't get worked up about too many things. What is that inner chaos about is it about work? Is it about personal stuff? About everything? Yeah, I guess it's all influential. Um, probably a mix of, yeah, just like not knowing what to do or feeling stressed about pulling something off or, yeah. Just have, have you felt that in the last eight months in the program? Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. When have you felt that the most? Um, learning the CNC probably was, was the... Uh, was a big one but also like even getting into chair design and i struggled with that actually yeah. yeah yeah just questioning whether i would be able to pull it off and just like get my ideas on paper and be able to translate it into an object how's the chair going i feel good about it now it was slow going i felt like it took a long time in the design process and trying to like formulate an idea and put it in the computer and i was struggling with that and then ended up with something that I didn't didn't really like, so I, I backtracked and uh, worked through it. But now that it's taking shape and it's downstairs, and I have a lot of it worked out, I'm feeling a lot better about it. A lot more Buddha-like. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So, what did you do, Connor, before fine furniture in terms of education, uh, in terms of uh, work experience? In terms of education, I graduated high school and that was it um even like i took a year of high school i was just working on job sites and earn, earn school credits through that and then out of yeah out of high school i just started working as a carpenter and tried a lot of different things initially i was working 
uh, for one guy. I was his only employee and we would just go around and do renovations. It's like pretty rural Ontario. So we just kind of said yes to everything and work in these old houses. And I don't know, I got kind of tired of that after a couple of years. And then I started timber framing. There's a timber framer in my hometown. And so I did that for a couple of years and then hit the road. I wanted to travel. And so I like bought an old van, moved into it and just like went out to Banff and lived in the Rockies for a while. And first year there, just like worked a random seasonal job, worked in a gear store, just like selling outdoor gear and stuff. And then got back into carpentry after some time away. And yeah, I worked for a builder there for around two years, I think. And and started working on these really interesting projects. Like it was high-end residential homes. And we had a couple of projects where we would build like two new two new restaurants in Banff that were like mm. architecturally designed and very beautiful. And so I was doing a lot of the finishing work in there. And I really liked that. I really liked sort of building, like being more creatively challenged while I build, but also found it fascinating just how people would design these things and how to like create a building with intention and and have an idea developed into an interior space. I really like that. Um, have you always wanted to make a living with your hands, make a living in the in a trade? Not not necessarily. I felt it was kind of my only option like getting out of school and why did you think that was your only option? Cuz I didn't didn't know what what else to do. I like my grandpa was a carpenter and I worked with him kind of through my teenage years. So I always had a bit of experience in working on farms and things, just kind of always being handy. Um, but yeah, a lot of the opportunities or my first opportunities came through my grandpa, just his friends looking for like summer help. So through high school, I'd work for them. And I felt like it was a skill set that I, I had and it was an asset that I had to offer. And I never really felt that school would be an option. And even if it was, I, I didn't know what to study. I didn't really have any other interests that I could pursue. Um, you grew up on a farm, right? I didn't grow up on a farm. I grew up in a farm town. Farm so, town. Yeah. Yeah. Why did you enroll in fine furniture program? Was it that experience in Banff? Yeah, it was feeling that. And at the time I was working for myself, like I was subcontracting for other builders. And I really, it was sort of like, I means to an end, it was a way to make a living and a way to like go and be able to travel and, and go on adventures and, and have fun. But it was never really what I saw myself doing long-term. Um, and I kind of wanted to refine my skills a bit. I felt like I was doing a lot of carpentry work and like doing pretty well at it, but there, I knew there was more to it and like bring it back to the architecture of how to like create a product or create an item with, with intention and be able to to pull it off. And I, I enjoyed working for myself, but I didn't see myself building like a construction company that would go and build homes. I, I saw myself more as like a creative person and wanted to explore that a little bit. What do you mean by building something with intention? I think being able to like have an idea or offer something to somebody that's more than just like an ikea dining table or something i think um like my favorite things that i own or that or that i've seen are just things that are made like by an artist whether it's art or music or like a piece of furniture or even a building that was just 
you know, an idea at some point. It wasn't just an arbitrary assembly of pieces. It was, you know, I think there's something more, more to that. Why, by enrolling in fine furniture at least, did you choose wood as a medium to pursue as opposed to, you know, metalworking or ceramics? Um, I guess I have the background in it and I've always enjoyed it. And I actually had tried, I took a course building like ceramics one winter. What do you um, mean? How do you build ceramic? Well, I just like, you, you throw clay on the wheel and like you make mugs. Oh, okay. So it was like a, I don't know, pay a couple hundred bucks and go and take night, night courses. And I was so bad at it. And I'm just <laughs> such a messy worker as well. Like you'd see all the other workstations and then mine and like wonder what, what So happened. you at clay is similar to me at woodworking. I guess so. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> I, I didn't get it. Like I felt like there were people in the course who were also new to it and they just like, they're making these incredible like vases and like beautiful bowls and things. And like, I try to make a bowl and it would end up a mug and I try to make a mug and it'd be a bowl and like just fucking like clay everywhere. I have to admit my mind struggles with the idea of you trying and failing to make something with your hands. It, it was, it's, hard for me it. to, it's hard for me to wrap my head around that. No, it, I don't know. It was a good experience, but I, I found that it wasn't, wasn't what I really had to offer. Yeah. What do you think you have to offer that's different from what other people have to offer? That's the question, isn't it? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I have that perspective quite yet. Like at this point, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can and explore what I am good at and the things I'm not so good at and, and lean into my strengths and like accommodate for some weaknesses. And what are your strengths? I think that strength would be just my hand skills are good. I think I'm, I'm pretty skilled on the tools and can make things well and, and efficiently. And I'm trying to be more creative in design process and yeah, trying to accommodate the needs of, of people. But I'm still exploring that and I'm still figuring out what that's all about. What are your weaknesses? Probably organization and, um, yeah, focusing on things that I find mundane. Very controversial question in this history. Uh, how do you feel about the pipe trades? Pipe trades? I don't have much of an opinion. I mean, it takes takes a village. <laughs> it does take a village, <laughs> especially think... when you have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, they aside from the consistent grinding when we have the door open there, they keep to themselves. Yeah. How do you feel about the friendships you've made in the fine furniture program assuming you have made friendships maybe you haven't yeah i've really enjoyed that like one thing about the program that i tell everyone is that it's just such a diverse crowd of people and and yeah you speak to anyone down there on the floor and they've come like they're at all different places in life come from different backgrounds they're going to different places and it's just sort of a place where all these sort of unlikely people have come and can connect over like a singular um topic it's like woodworking like design they're building a chair and i just i've always found that so interesting and, and down on my end like i have nick and leo who's like total opposites as people but us three in our little bench um they, we just get along so well and it's a really great dynamic down there yeah these interviews you've, you're only the third interview but even these three interviews have really caused me to reflect and appreciate what you said about 
the diversity of our class. When you look at a picture of our class, it doesn't look that diverse. But I would never be in a room, never say never, the chances are slim to none I would be in a room interviewing you or Sinead or Dustin. Yeah. But for this class. And not just interviewing, but, you know, forming friendships and talking and bullshitting and mm -hmm. just hanging out every day for 10 months. I would have never had the opportunity to probably be with a person like you, but for that class. And that has really made me appreciate this class even deeper than I thought I already did. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And like Leo, who, I mean, you haven't interviewed yet, but oh, I can't wait for that interview. <laughs> such a fascinating person and there's no one else you meet like him and, and to get to know him at the depth I have yeah. over the last eight or nine months has been, yeah, it's been incredible. And, um, he certainly has some stories to tell. I can't wait. Yeah. He's told me a couple. I'm curious to see what he lets me record. What do you think your best experience has been in the class so far? Mm. And that can be a project, a relationship, a day, anything. I enjoyed um, our wall hung cabinet project, that cherry cabinet. I, um, yeah, I went in a different direction than Sandra intended, but she gave me a lot of space on that and I really felt ready to like design my own piece. And so I took that on, but still kept all of the learning outcomes. And I really enjoyed just all the joinery and kind of the time we took to, to create that, that cabinet. What has been your most challenging or I don't know, least pleasurable experience in the class? And again, project day, anything I had since I made my cabinet different than everyone else's, I had to design my own CNC file for the top. And I really wanted to do it because I, I wanted to learn the CNC, but I was so out of my element. And it was like, I think four days of trial and error and plugging it in, trying things again. And uh, I was just <laughs> so exhausted. But yeah, I was pretty frustrated, but just worked through it. Did it came, come out eventually the way you wanted it to? It did, yeah, actually. And it was rewarding. So maybe try and describe that feeling a little bit more. So that those four days was your were your most frustrating experience in the class. Mm -hmm. What did that feel like at the end of those four days when you finally were able to make what you've been trying so hard to make? It was such a relief. I remember like probably day two or day three, my attitude was just, I can just do this by hand in an hour and just have it done, but just sticking with it and yeah, just kind of defining my own learning outcomes of this is something that's important and I want to stick it out. Um, Why did you stick it out and instead of just throwing the towel and do it by hand? Because I wanted to, I guess. I, Why did you want to? I just wanted to learn more about that. And um, it's kind of, I find when I do challenge myself like that, I mean, you're just so willing to give up. Like it would just be so easy to just toss it in and say you can't do it. And there's a way that's better for me but then that's where you grow and that's where you find out like what you can and can't do i think it's important to kind of push your limits and know where they are at least and yeah and, and in that you um yeah you learn a lot about yourself and about how you learn what part of the curriculum has affected you the most um whether it's made you the happiest, the most frustrated, um, 
you already talked about the, the 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 top on the wall on cabinet, but is there any other part of the curriculum besides that that really either positively or negatively really struck at you? It could have been a, a lesson, it could be a concept. Hmm. I've enjoyed like the time we took in the fall to learn SketchUp and like yeah. in CAD design. I felt that was really, really worthwhile and just being able to translate ideas into that software and yeah, create something and, and show it to other people. And there's just so, so much you can do with that. And uh, that was really valuable for me. I mean, we talk a lot in class about form versus function, or if there is even that juxtaposition of verses, why does it have to be verses? What do those concepts mean to you and how, if at all, has the class changed that for you? Hmm. I, I actually found that assignment because we did the bookends, yeah. one form, one function. And I found it really fascinating how people like understood it for themselves. And very I like, subjective, right? It is. Yeah. And yeah. it's a continuum of like, I don't know, where do you, how do you see objects in a way? And I like the challenge for me is like to make something functional, like, okay, define its purpose, des like design how you want it to function and then like minimize it, like take everything away until it doesn't work and then add that one more thing back mm -hmm. and come up with an object. And I feel like I got a lot of shit for mine because mine looked good, mm -hmm. my, my um, function bookend. Mm -hmm. But I also feel that you can make something that's strictly functional without sacrificing craftsmanship. And how a lot of people, they were just like screws jammed in things and like they weren't aesthetically pleasing. And I don't, I feel anyways that you can have something that's strictly functional and visually striking as well. Interesting. If you invest the time or energy to make it visually striking, does that, does that not add something unnecessary to the function though. And I guess that's the continuum thing is how far you take it. But I think that breaking your edges on a sharp corner, I mean, makes it look cleaner, of course, but it also makes it more, um, I don't know, softer to handle and, and nicer all around. Like, I think that's kind of a baseline of craftsmanship mm -hmm. is to just finish things and to put a coat of oil on it. I mean, does it really change the function of a bookend? Not necessarily, but in terms of a craft, you tend to finish the wood. Like you don't have to put finish on a table, but it's wise to. Has this class altered the way you think about craft? I think it has. Yeah. And How I think so? a lot of us have talked about just, I mean, when we were talking about design and form and function around that time in the curriculum, there were a lot of conversations about like, perceiving the world and like, I don't know, I think everything, all the products that we have are made with some sort of intention and just kind of like see behind the curtain. I mean, I like as a designer and how they translated their ideas and their thoughts into like objects that we use every day, certainly adds a depth to like the human experience, I think just being really fun. Has the class changed how you view art? I think art in the medium of furniture, yes. Like I think we've all developed a bit more of an eye for like good or poor craftsmanship and how I interpret that. But in terms of other art, maybe maybe not as much. So 
I did my research paper on William Morris, who was the, one of the founders of the arts and crafts movement in uh, Britain in the 19th century, also a flaming socialist. And he defines art as the pleasure people take in their labor. How do you feel about that definition of art? I think there's merit to that. And sometimes I also feel that like if things aren't fun or enjoyable or if you're not going to learn anything from them, they're probably not worth doing. Um, and in terms of objects, I think that does translate well through someone enjoying their time and, and knowing what they're doing as opposed to someone who might be chaotic and, and not care. Would you add or subtract anything from that definition of art? What, how would you personally define art? I don't know. I, yeah, I don't have an, I don't have an opinion on that. Yeah. Is it something you know when you see? I think objectively, yes. Like to my own, um, own personal taste, I see something I like, consider it art, but I don't think I can, uh, suggest what's art to some and not to others. Why not? Like, why? why do, now, let me ask you, do you feel like you can't suggest that or you shouldn't suggest that? I feel like I shouldn't. Yeah, yeah because I feel like you could. Like, yeah. you're, you're an artist. You are steeped in trade and art. So why don't you think you should take a position on what is and is not art? Because I think I can be can't be an expert in everything <laughs> you don't have to be an expert but why why are you hesitant to even offer your opinion hmm. i mean i think if my opinion is um educated then uh, yeah i think i think it's meant to be offered but hmm I know, drawing a blank here, Joel. Yeah. Can I ask you another couple questions on this topic? Yeah, yeah. What do you mean when you say if it's educated? I think that people generally think they have, um, like they certainly have a right to an opinion. Uh -huh. But I think a lot of times they lack the self-awareness uh -huh. of where their opinion actually matters yeah and um, i guess what i'm trying to say is do you feel like you could only offer an opinion about what it is or is not art if you you know had a degree in art history or you were recognized as an expert in art is is it is it a qualification that you feel like you're lacking is that why you you're uncomfortable offering an opinion or are you just being polite Connor, you don't want to yeah, i think i'm just being polite like yeah. I, I think if someone asked me an opinion on like photograph like i know i've done enough photography i can i can sort of judge a photograph based on many things but in terms of i don't know an art form that i'm not practiced in mm -hmm. i mean it's fine to have an opinion but i don't think that to offer advice or, or anything like that have you been, I assume you've been to m many museums? A few, yeah. Not, 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 not tons. What, what goes through your mind when you go to a museum and you see 
sculpture or an oil painting, something that's done in a medium that you don't have experience in? How do you evaluate what you're looking at? I guess I would wander through and, and see what's caught my attention. Mm -hmm. Like if it's, you know, if there's five sculptures, I'd probably go to one that I find the most interesting and observe it. And likely the same for a painting too, is, um, whether it's the content that's interesting or the colors or the arrangement, I think I would observe it like that. Are arts and crafts affected by politics and economics? Yeah, I, I believe so. How so? Um, I mean, Peter said this early on in the program and I wrote it down, but he said, um, furniture trends are influenced by social movements more than anything else. And I think that rings true in history and even, even looking around now, um, sort of the change in, or the rise of certain furniture styles has been influenced by like global change economics, industry, and um, yeah, I think what people want changes in time as well. So it's certainly influenced by politics and economics. Can you think, do you think a person can be a fully realized artist? And by fully realized, I mean happy in what they're doing making a genuine effort to create the kind of art that they want to create. Do you think a person can be that way in this current economic political setup in, you know, Canadian capitalism in the 21st century? I think eventually it, it takes a lifetime. Um, but I think in the pursuit of art or being an artist, it takes so much time to like discover your voice or like to perfect your craft and, and to play with what works and what doesn't work. And yeah, I mean, I'm only 25, so I don't really know, but I guess what I'm getting at as well is, do you think that the need to make money or the need to worry about environmental impact or consumer tastes or changing trends, do you think that that can affect your ability to be the best artistic version of yourself that you can be. I, yeah, I believe so. I think all of that affects an artist in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would be the first thing you would make if you had no money issues and if you didn't have to worry about the environment, if you wanted to make a 50 foot sculpture out of the world's most toxic metal you could what would be the first thing you could make i would build a house i'd build my own little house somewhere yeah yeah ideally with a view but can't be picky <laughs> can you describe that house for me probably um like not extravagant just like uh, maybe 1200 square feet or something like just a nice kitchen area and open concept lots of natural light and um yeah just well built it's like build all the doors, all the windows. Just, I don't know if I had the time to do it myself, I would, yeah, just, just make it my own little abode. And so there's lots of 1200 foot square houses with open concept kitchens. What would make that house Connor's house?
I think just the level of intention and, and detail that I would put into it. I try to make it my own style and just experiment and have fun. Yeah, just make it how I, how I would like it. What is your style? Mm. Oh, that's a great question, Joel. I don't know. But something comes to mind. I mean, like, the, there's, you don't, um, I, I don't see you, you know, doing a lot of like metal incorporation with your no. wood. Like there's some things you do and there's some things you don't do. Yeah. I, so I guess I cater more to mid-century trends just because of the simplicity and um, sort of organic shapes and things like that. Um, You're very good at organic shapes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And so mid-century something. Yeah. Yeah. The rest to be defined. Besides the house you just described, maybe that would be your answer. But if that's your answer, maybe pick something else. If I asked you to make something sacred to you, and that could be, I don't know if you're religious or not, it, it doesn't have to be religious. It, you know, for some people, their relationship is sacred or nature is sacred. But if I asked for you to make something sacred, sacred to you, what would you make? I've been thinking recently of building a guitar, like, mm -hmm. um, I think just an electric guitar to start, but I think it would be great to build my own acoustic guitar at some point. I just think they carry so much um, character throughout their lives. Do you like, play guitar? I do, yeah. I didn't know yeah, that. I played since high school. And yeah, I remember a friend of mine, this is, I'd been playing for a couple of years and she had this old like Gibson jumbo like uh, acoustic guitar and it was her grandmother's who she didn't know personally, but she toured with Neil Young like through the oh. 70s. And oh, wow. It, came down through the generations and she had it and I was playing it and it just had so much voice and just like had all these dings from being on the road, but it played so well and sounded so beautiful. And yeah, I just think it'd be amazing to make something like that, that I could play for my life and then some and just have it carry on. I think as those age, they get, they become sacred. What kind of music do you play? You a rock guy, a jazz guy? Probably rock roots, I would say, when I was like when I was learning music. It's like in high school, loved Led Zeppelin. Mm. That's like I really enjoyed Jimmy Page's guitar playing and so I played a lot of that. And then sort of got into more like folk music and like um fingerstyle guitar. And just kind of yeah, I bounce around. I just explore what I find sounds nice to me. And I'm not like I don't write original music. I just play what I like to hear and You ever tried to write music? I have with friends and like jamming and things like that. And I know I, a lot of my friends are musicians and mm -hmm. I see how they work. And I just, I'm not that musically creative. Mm -hmm. um, I think I have an ear for it and I can like play it. But in terms of coming up with my own, I kind of have a lot of respect for people who do it. Mm -hmm. But I think my creative strengths lie in other <laughs> medium. If you had to pick three woodworking tools, and you could only use those three tools for the rest of your life, what would they be? Yeah, I thought of this. I think it would be like um, Ryoba Japanese saw, you know, with like the cross cut and the rip cut. Yeah. They're pretty, pretty versatile. Um, probably a hand plane. Mm -hmm. And will we accept like a set of chisels and mallet as one item? Seems to be a very controversial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It can be whatever you want okay. it to be. So you buy them as one. You buy them as one. Yeah. So chisels and a mallet. Yeah. Great. Yeah. You can do a lot. Why those three? Are they most versatile? They're probably the ones you use the most. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you were to reach for something. 
It'd be one of those three. Yeah. I am shocked at how, I mean, you knew this with my background. I did not, uh, how often I reach for a chisel and I should probably reach for it more. You know, if anything, I should get better at chiseling. Yeah. They're, they're great. Yeah. What sensual memory do you think will stay with you the longest that you experienced in the fine furniture program? A, a sight, a smell, a sound, a taste, anything? I know like from working on job sites, I see how people fuck things up from time to time and that typically stays with me. I remember one time, <laughs> like one of my coworkers was using a router and he didn't put the bid in tight enough and it like, dropped out and like hit him in the chest he was fine but he was like left a little mark or whatever and so anytime i tighten up a router bit i think of that but i think honestly anytime i use a feather board behind the table <laughs> saw blade i'm gonna think about when you pulled it back through the blade and just like obliterated into like all of its pieces <laughs> and hit the wall i am honored that it's the memory that's going to stick with you the longest is yeah. me <laughs> yeah it's pretty funny maybe maybe describe a little more in detail uh that incident because it was pretty it was pretty funny yeah well i missed. I think the, we should get that into the yeah, history i missed kind of what was leading up to that but i heard the noise and i saw joel standing there and behind him in the air were all the fingers of a feather board <laughs> not of him he was fine which is great <laughs> But everything just like flew past the table saw and like a new thousand pieces. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, it was one of my better moments. Yeah, and I've had a lot of my, of catastrophes in this class, but that was definitely <laughs> might be my my greatest catastrophe. Yeah. Tell me your impressions and thoughts of Sandra and Beth after having spent eight months being taught by them. My initial thoughts are, I, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how Sandra has the capacity for putting up with all of us and marking and instructing. And it just must be so much for her and, and Beth too. Like she does so much around the shop and very just quietly working away at many things. Um, I wish there were two of both of them. I feel like they could benefit from that and us as well. But, uh, yeah, I took the course because Sandra was teaching it. I remember when I was looking into doing something like this, you know, I saw she was teaching it and I liked her demeanor and kind of saw what she'd done in the past. And really, I thought she had a lot to offer. How did you, how did you see what she'd done in the past? Just, I found her website and like, oh, okay. it's kind of limited of um, her past projects, but mm -hmm. I, I sort of liked her aesthetic and um, yeah, just her demeanor was really attractive i think like from working in the trades it's very much like a boys club and i definitely didn't want that and i came to visit um but this time last year maybe a bit earlier and i just i wanted to check out the shop and the campus and just see what it was like so i was in victoria i came to check it out and yeah i just liked the diversity of people and um sandra was super nice very knowledgeable and, and welcoming i think from like day one we all just really adored, you know, who she was and look forward to having her as a mentor. And it's interesting. So far, I've interviewed two men and one woman and everybody, all three of you, and I agree with this, have immediately upon being asked that question, mentioned how nice it is that Sandra and Beth are the opposite of that sort of 
toxic masculine boys club atmosphere that you yeah Oh yeah, and it's just, it's time for that, and it's time to welcome new voices into the trades and and welcome creative people in the trades because I think just sort of the, the working culture. I mean, I've put up with it for long enough, but yeah, for a lot of people, it's it's a barrier to entry. It's interesting and refreshing that men, male students, feel that way too. I think. Mm-hmm. Why do Why do you think that that so far, like anecdotally, like I said, there's only been three of you, but why do you think? So far, the male students have felt that strongly about the positive, non-toxic atmosphere that Sandra and Beth create here, as opposed to what sometimes conventionally, like you said, you get in the trades. I think maybe just being aware of the general social atmosphere. I mean, not only happening in the trades, but in the world of welcoming female voices and diversity in in all aspects of life. And um I mean, I'm, I'm sure Dustin spoke of it similarly, and I just think it's time to allow that space for you know women and, and people of color to not feel discriminated and actually feel encouraged to like, um, like contribute a verse or to like contribute something into a trade. And, uh, yeah, I really, I really value that when I was looking at the course and she's definitely come through with with her um her ability to to build people up and to help them kind of explore what means most to them i think it also goes back to something else you said earlier when you're speaking about the diversity of the trades and how that's important and is to elevate other voices that's a big part of what i think makes this class so interesting it would be a lot less interesting and fun if there were 17 of us who were the same gender and the same age and the same background and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But it is, for me at least, purposefully lifting up and empowering people who weren't previously empowered, whether it is to teach the class or to take the class, that makes it more interesting for all of us. Yeah, of course. And it's powerful to the individuals getting into that. And I think it's powerful to the trade and to the future of craft to celebrate it as something for everyone. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I um, I definitely acknowledge the weight that Sandra and Beth contribute to the development of that for everyone. Here, here. Last question is not really a question. It's more of an opportunity for you to add anything, contribute anything, remark on anything that I haven't touched on. Is there something in the back of your head that you been wanting to talk about i haven't asked the right question to get it out of you uh, an aspect of class of your development friendships projects anything that that you just want to uh, put down and, and remember hmm. i mean you've kind of brushed on everything uh, i think you've done a very good job thank you this um but i would say like for anyone um who's listening who might be thinking of taking the class or is in it or even in their own um, practices, whether it be woodworking or any type of art or medium of their own, is just to do it on your own terms and to, to find your own um, learning outcomes and, and really give yourself space to to find out what means, I don't know, most to you and you know, definitely give yourself permission to be creative and to think for yourself because I think that will get you pretty far. Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joel.